I've entitled the message this morning, Keep Your Eye on the Prize. Keep Your Eye on the Prize. This is a similar message that I've preached. I've in, I entitled it, Don't Be Distracted. There's an a underlying theme here that, that we need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. And one of the ways that I want us to understand that we need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, one of the things that really gets in the way of us keeping our eyes on Jesus is we forget who we are. We let society define us. We let ourselves define us. We begin to think less of ourselves. And when you are a born-again child of God, what we need to understand, you are not who you say you are. You are who God says you are. If you are His child, He can tell you and identify to you who you are. So before I get to the message about uh, keeping your eyes on the prize, we're going to use an example in Genesis chapter 37. But when when we look at this, I want us to be reminded of who the Scripture says we are before I challenge you to keep your eye on the prize. Because if I tell you to keep your eye on the prize and I tell you to to pull up your bootstraps and move on, you might sit there and convince yourself, well, Brother Wayne, I'm not that person. I can't do that. Well, let me remind us who God says we are. 2 Corinthians 5.17, He tells us that we are a new creation of Christ Jesus. He tells us, once we become a child of His, all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. We are a new creation. Your old person has vanished away. You are not the same anymore. In Matthew 5 and 14, it just simply says that we are the light of the world. Now, sometimes we don't feel like the light. Okay? Sometimes we don't feel that way. The Scripture tells us if you are a born-again child of God, God is using you as a light to light the world around you about who Jesus Christ is. You are the light of the world. Understand in John chapter 1 and verse number 12, you are a child of God. You are a child of God. In verse John 1 and 12 it says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons or the children of God, even to them that believe on His name. If you're a believer this morning, you need to understand that you are a child of God. You are a part of the family of God. And not only that, the Bible tells us that you are the part of the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Are y'all beginning to get this picture here? If you have beat yourself up all week, or if somebody else has beat you up all week, you need to understand, you are somebody because of who lives inside of you. Jesus Christ who lives inside of you. In 1 John 3, 1 and 2, it says again that we are children of God and we will one day be just like Jesus. Praise God. I don't want to go there like the, in the body I've got. I'm telling you. and I, I guess I'm not ashamed of it anymore. I've not been to a doctor in 30 years and I've got an appointment next week. I'm telling you, I just assume go on to heaven and let, let all these pains and aches go away. Because, But one day, 
I'm going to be just like him. He says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Man, I'm telling you, that's, a, that's, that's something to look forward to. That is something to look forward to. Listen to this. If you're here this morning and you're a believer, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 1, 3 through 6 that we are blessed, that we are chosen, that we are holy, that we are loved, that we are predestined, that we are ad- adopted, and that we are accepted. Now I want you to know there's a whole world out there looking for just that. There's a whole world out there just looking for someone to love them. Someone to accept them. Someone to make, just to be a friend with them. I want you to know there's a whole world out there. If you're a child of God, I want you to know you are all of those things. You need to go back and read the first chapter of Corinthians or, or Ephesians and just look at the benefits that we have because we are the children of God. According to Psalms 139, this is one of my favorite scriptures. This is a scripture that I shared with this young lady this last week. It tells us in Psalms 139 that we are understood. (laughs) How many of us out there think that we're so complicated that somebody don't understand us? You don't understand. this This is who I am. You don't understand. This is what I'm going through. You don't... You know what the scripture says? The Psalms chapter 139 and verse 2. Thou knowest my down sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. I want you to know God understands you. He says, Thou compassest my path and my lying down and my and thou art acquired with all of my acquainted with all of my ways. I want you to know He sees your coming, He sees your going, He knows everything that's going on in your life. If you're a born again believer, I want you to know He knows all these things. We are understood, we are protected, we are fearfully, wonderfully made, and we are thought of. Now I want you to know that's a big thing. To know that someone is thinking about us. How many of you are encouraged when someone calls you or or drops a card or sends flowers or something just out of the blue and you, you realize that, oh wow, they were thinking about me. Maybe it's just a text. If they text you, you know why they text you? Because they thought about you. I want you to know, the Bible tells us the thoughts that God has of you, if you can count the, the, the grains of sand on the seashore, that's how often God thinks about you. You are always on His mind. Oh my goodness, come on! Let me tell you, this is what I've been waiting for. Someone needs to remind me from time to time that I am somebody because of Christ Jesus that lives in me. Jeremiah tells us in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, it says, God has a plan for your life. He says, For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, and to give you an expected end. Now you may not think that God has a plan for you. It may be that you have taken your own plan and put it in life. I want you to know God's got a plan for you. He's got an expected end for you. He's got a, He wants to prosper you. He wants to see you succeed. Now, understand, it's, it's on His plan. But 
Sometimes we get off and we make our own plan. You trust Him. Don't get distracted. Stay on the path that He has got for us. And I want you to know He will prosper you. and He's got a plan for you. He's got an expected end for you. This is my key verse this morning. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I want to encourage you this morning to not be distracted or to be discouraged. Not to be distracted or discouraged. And again, I mentioned all of these things that are taking place in our society today. It's very easy to be, to be distracted. Now, let me, let me tell you some of the things, and I, I want to mention these before I go through uh, the part of the Scriptures that I want to use for an example. Uh, there are lots of things in our lives that will distract us. And primarily, it's life. Okay? If we allow ourselves, I mean, we can get on a walk with Christ. I mean, we can, we can wake up and have a relationship with Him. But sometimes our job gets in the way so much that it distracts us from our relationship. And listen, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a job. But we can get so involved in a job and so involved in making money that we can be distracted from what God has for us. Family can become a distraction. Family situations, family circumstances can become a distraction. Listen, it can be family, it can be a positive part of a family. It can be a, you're you're planning a family reunion, and my goodness, it has become so overcoming and it's so involved that you go two or three weeks because of this planning that you're doing, which is a good thing, yeah, well, I don't have time to go to church this week. I don't have time to stop on a Wednesday in the mid-service to, to get re-encouraged and get refueled. I don't have time to do it now. I, I just There's so much I've got to accomplish. Listen, we don't need to even let family, even if it's a positive thing, to distract us. A situation can come up in our life that can cause us to be distraction, to cause a distraction. Now, you're going to say, well, you're so insensitive. Illness. Illness can become a distraction. Let me, let me just tell you right now, illness is part of the world. Because we live in a fallen world, and just because we're Christians doesn't exempt us from the consequences of what God has allowed to be set forth in this world. Listen, if you expose yourself to the flu, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get the flu. I, I mean, that, that's, that's, it's, it's not that God's punishing you. It's not that it's, it's just, it's life. I hate to say it. But because of sin, God has allowed Satan to bring in cancer, pneumonia, all of these diseases that we fight against. Listen, just because you have an illness... Do not let that illness distract you from who God is in your life and what He has done on the cross for you. You need to keep your eyes on Jesus. We need to keep our eyes on the prize. We need to keep our eyes on who we are in Him 
and not who we think we are. Oh, woe is me. I've got this or I've got that. I've got to take this medicine or I've got this surgery. Listen, man, be the light to the surgeon. Be the light to the nurses. Be a light to the, the rehab workers. God says, hey, we are who we are in Christ. We are the most blessed people of the world if we've had the gospel extended to us and God has chosen us because you chose to believe in what He's done for you. Don't let financial issues, busyness, all these things that I mentioned, don't let them get in the way. I want to read a scripture in Romans. I read it in our Sunday school class this morning. Romans 15 and 4. It says this, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So what he's telling us, he said, the things that were written in the Old Testament, he says, I've left that here for you to learn from. I want us to go to Genesis chapter 37 this morning. Genesis chapter 37. And I want us this morning to learn from this example that was given to us in the Scriptures on how to keep our eye on the prize. I want you to know if anybody in the Scriptures had a reason to take their eyes off of the Lord and say, look, if this is the way it's going to be, I quit. If anybody in the Scriptures could say that, Joseph could say that. So I want us to look at this example this morning and pattern our lives after this positive example that he gives us in the Word so that we might be able to see that, you know what? I know it's going to be tough in life, but if this guy can do it by putting his faith and trust in God, so can I. So we're going to look at the life and the story here of Joseph, one of the twelve sons of Jacob, which are make up the twelve tribes of Israel. So understand, this Joseph is one of the twelve tribes that have established the nation of Israel that God is protecting today, that all of those nations over there in the Middle East cannot destroy, although they've tried, they keep sending missiles over, they keep trying to invade it. They've done that since the 1948 when Israel became a nation. I don't know how many of you know the history. Israel became a nation in 1948. Two days after they became a nation, they were attacked on five different directions from five different countries, and they defeated those countries because God saved them. Again, back in 69, they had the Six-Day War. I think it was 69 or 68. 67, I was close. 67, they had a Six-Day War. All these nations surrounding the nation of Israel came up against them. They could not defeat the nation of Israel because God protected them. There is no other explanation. God protected and provided for them. This is who we're talking about. He was the beginning son. He was one of the twelve sons. That's who Joseph is. Look in verse chapter 37. Let's just begin with verse number 1 and establish how old Joseph was when all of this began. And Jacob... He dwelt in the land where his father was and a stranger in the land of Canaan. And these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flocks with his brothers. And the lad was with the the sons of, and he lists some of the names of those wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. 
So let's understand where Joseph is. Joseph is 17 years old, just a young man. Now, it tells us in here that Joseph was loved by his daddy more than any of the other 11 sons. Okay? Now, it says that because Joseph was born in his, his year, because he was older when his son, his son Joseph was born. But now listen, Joseph was not the youngest son. Benjamin was even younger than Joseph, but jo- Jacob loved his son Joseph more than the rest to the point, and you can read it here, that he made a coat of many colors. Now, I want you to know, when we were growing up, we always heard, if you were in Sunday school much, you heard the story about Joseph that had a coat of many colors. How many of you young people recognize that story? Young and old. Yeah, we recognize that. You know what? A lot of us don't understand what that coat meant, though. See, the father, father would, he would show the coat like this, this special coat would normally go to the oldest son. Because the oldest son was the one that was to receive the majority of the inheritance. But when, when the dad gave the coat to Joseph, saying, you are my favorite, that was also a symbol of you are going to be the one that I give my inheritance to, and then the other 11 sons can divide the inheritance, half of it, between themselves. What do you think this made those other 11 sons think of their little brother Joseph? 17 years old. Still wet behind the ears. Don't know much about life. He's got brothers that are in their 30s and in their 40s. And daddy's going to give the majority of the inheritance, this boy that's wet behind the ears, he ain't even kept the sheep much. I don't know what God or what daddy is thinking about this. So you understand when you read the scriptures and it says the other brothers hated Joseph, understand they had good reason to hate Joseph. Okay? But it, because of his daddy. But then when you begin to read in the rest of the scripture right here, right here in the verse of chapter 37. At 17 years old, this is what Joseph comes and tells his brothers. He said, hey boys, I had a dream the other night. And this is what I dreamed. I dreamed we were out in the field and we was gathering sheaves. Johnny, do you know what a sheave is? Oh my goodness, see there, I didn't know you would know that. But what the sheaves were, they would gather sheaves and they would gather the grain and they would put them up and they would stack them together where the heads of the grain were sticking up. And this is what he said. He said, boys, he says, we were out in the, the grain fields and we were piling our sheaves, gathering our sheaves together, and my sheaf rose up above all your sheaves and your sheaves bowed down to mine. Now, don't you know the brothers went, oh, well, that just makes us love you more. <laughs> no, the scripture says that it made them despise him more. And they ask a question. Now, what do you think's going on here, Joseph? Do you think we're going to bow down to you and you're going to rule over us one day? Joseph didn't have an answer for that. All he was doing was giving them the dream that God had given them. Now a day passed or two, and Joseph came back with another dream. He says, hey boys, guess what? I had another dream. Daddy, you ought to listen in on this one. I had a dream the other night 
that I was a star and there was other, 11 other stars and the sun and the moon, Mama and Daddy, they all bowed down to me. And Jacob didn't like that. His daddy didn't even care for that. He said, son, what do you think? I'm going to bow down to you one day? So I want you to know it was not a popular feeling. It was not a warm and fuzzy feeling around the house after Joseph revealed his dream. Now I want you to know Joseph recognized that these dreams were from and of God. He was sitting around the house one day and his daddy said, son, I need you to go check on your brothers. But you go find, come back and give me a report of how things are going in the sheep field. So he goes to check on his brothers, and you're going to continue to read this through chapter 37. You're going to see that when he gets out in the, the field, he doesn't find them immediately, but then he later finds them. And when they find him, the brothers see him coming afar off, and they plot to kill him. They said, Let's kill this dreamer. Who does he think he is? We're going to kill him. Now in chapter 37 and verse 18, it tells us right there, it says, And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. So in verse 26, just flip over, look over the next page, and, and Judah, Judah is another one of the brothers, said unto his brethren, what profit is, is it is if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? In other words, they begin to have second thoughts about it. And this is what they decided to do. They saw a band of Ishmaelites coming. They said, hey, we can make a little money on this. Let's go ahead and sell him as a slave to the Ishmaelites. So that's what they decided to do. And that is exactly what they done. They took Joseph's coat of many colors, the one that his daddy loved so much, they took some blood from a goat and they smeared it on there, tore it up, took it home and lied to their daddy about what happened to their brother Joseph. Now, listen, if I am Joseph, this is one thing that would go through my mind. After my brothers at 17 years old, God has already told me that one day I'm going to rise up and I'm going to rule or reign over my brothers and my mom and daddy. He don't understand why. But I'm sure that when they throw him in that pit and sold him as a slave, the question might have come into his mind. He says, wait a minute, God. Um, you didn't tell me this part in your dream. You have made a mistake. This can't be part of the plan. If this is the direction you're going to let me go, God, I'm done with you. Has anybody ever had a circumstance or a situation come up in your life and you seem like, God, I can't believe you let this happen to me. I don't understand. But let me tell you what happened. Joseph didn't take his eye off the prize. See, this is why we need to look at this as an example. Just because something terrible has happened in his life, he's now been sold into slavery. He's been yanked from his mama and daddy's home life, and now he is a slave. He's chained, walking through the desert, being mistreated, and taken to the slave auction. The next chapter is a completely different event that takes place. The next time we find what's taking place in Pharaoh's life, or in uh, Joseph's life, is when we get all the way over to chapter 39. Flip with me over to chapter 39 in your Bibles for a second. 
we get over in chapter 39, <coughs> you're going to see that, that Joseph was bought by a Pharaoh, a, a, one of Pharaoh's officials. His, his name was Potiphar. And he was bought by him as a slave. I want you to pay close attention to, to uh, Genesis 39 and verse number 2. Notice what it says right there. Now he's already been abandoned, it seems like, by God, and he's been sold into slavery. But verse 2 says, And the Lord was with Joseph. Now the reason we know that Joseph's mind and his eyes kept focused on, on the Lord, he kept his eye on the prize, is because the Lord is still with Joseph. The Lord is still blessing Joseph. As a matter of fact, as he's with this man named Pharaoh, Pharaoh began to trust him. Pharaoh began to see the things that Joseph was done. Everything he touched, God seemed to bless. And he says, listen, Joseph, I'm giving you control of everything that's, that, that I have. Everything is all, is all yours. And God began to bless everything that, that Joseph had control of. But one thing happened. If you continue to read through verse number 39, and you, you get down there that in 39 and verse 19, let's look at it real quick. Genesis 39 and verse 19 tells us this, And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. Potiphar's wife accused Joseph falsely, and there's a whole story there, I'm not going to take the time to read it this morning, accused Joseph falsely of attempting to rape her. Wait a minute, God, you told me in a dream that I was going to, I was going to be in control here for a while. I was, my mom and dad and my brothers were going to bow down to me. Wait a minute. God, this, is, this ain't right. How can I do that if you allow me to go to prison? God, how can I be a minister if you allow this evil to take place in my life? God, this ain't right. This ain't just. What? What's going on, God? Have any of us ever felt like that? Just, I don't understand what's going on. This is not even right. God, you know right from wrong. Why are you letting the evil in the world rule in my life right now? Well, you'd think he's been, fought, he's been sold into slavery, rejected by his brothers. Now he is falsely accused. God lets them convict him and get thrown into prison. And now he's in prison for something he didn't do. How many of us would have done, okay, this is the, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. I quit, God. I'm through with you if this is the way life is going to be. God, I'm through with you. I can't believe you allowed, uh, allowed my car to be hit by this guy that didn't have insurance. How am I going to pay for this car? How am I going to get back and forth to work? God, how are my kids going to get back and forth to school? I can't believe you let this happen to me. I quit. I'm going to quit coming to church. I'm going to quit coming to Sunday school. I can't believe you let that preacher say that to me. I quit. I can't believe they're singing those kind of songs. I quit. I'm going to go to another church. And, and how many of you know people that bounce, 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 bounce? They're never happy. I quit. Did Joseph quit? Oh, guess what happened? He got in prison. And while he is in prison, let's see what it says. 
39 to verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. I want you to know that even while Joseph was in prison, falsely accused, it seems like the devil's having his rule right here that Joseph is that that God would not have control. I want you to know God is still in full control. Even through it all, Joseph keeps his eyes on the prize. He keeps his eyes on the Lord. Now here's another event that takes place when you get to Joseph gets another chance he gets a chance to get out of prison. When you read in chapter 40 and verse 14, there's two guys in prison there that have dreams. And Joseph interprets this dreams for these guys. And he tells this one guy, the cupbearer, he said, Now listen, I'm going to interpret your dream. This is all I ask. Because you're fixing to get out and you're fixing to be right there among the king. All I ask is when you get out of prison and you get to serve the king that cup of wine again, remember me. Remind him that I'm in here falsely accused. Guess what happened? Joseph says, man, I'm finally getting my chance to break out of here. The cupbearer doesn't remember him. He doesn't, he doesn't get out. Throw up your hands. Why don't we just quit? Does anybody have any idea how long Joseph was in prison for something he didn't do? 17 years. For 17 years, Joseph is imprisoned for something he didn't do. He is sold into slavery for something he didn't have coming. And Joseph kept his eye on the prize the whole time. My goodness, how little sometimes we let get us off track. Am I right? How little. Sometimes it's, not, sometimes it's just our own pleasures that just draw us away and we don't serve God. You remember the songs we sang? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That means Jesus had to die. And the old rugged cross made a difference. Hey, listen, I want you to know He done something so great for us. Nothing should detour us from our service to Him. We finally see, we get on over and uh, Pharaoh has a dream. Let me see if I marked it in here. I don't know if I marked it. Where Pharaoh makes him second in command over all of the people. In Genesis chapter 41, Joseph interprets a dream for Pharaoh, and as the, as the interpretation was made, in verse 39, it says, and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all the people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. He went from the prison to second in command of all of Egypt. and Just like that. We need to understand that it is real easy for us to get distracted. Political system, distraction. Issues in the school, a distraction. Finances, a distraction. A death in the family, situation in the family, jobs. 
It just seems like the world is overbearing. We're too busy to give God any time. Listen, I am telling us, no matter what the situation, we can depend on the Lord if we will just keep our eyes on Him. We can see. He can see it. We can see it. Let me ask the question this morning. What is dis- what's distracting to you this morning? Now, we're talking about life, okay? We're talking about life. What's distracting you this morning from letting yourself be everything that God desires you to be? What is, what is keeping you from keeping your eyes on the prize? This is a scripture I used again this morning in Sunday school. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says this. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. In other words, we've got testimony of people just like Joseph that endured all of this but kept his eye on the prize. I was sitting here and thinking about if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and Paul begins to describe the things that he went through for the cause of Christ. Flogged five times, beaten with a rod three times, stoned and left for dead one time. And Paul, even at the end of his life, said every bit of it was worth it because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. What have you done for Jesus lately? What have you done for Jesus lately? Remember what we just talked about? He tells us that we're a new creation. We are the light of the world. We are His child. Men and women today, hey, it's time to pull up our bootstraps and say, okay, God, I recognize what you've done for me. Now, I'm going to serve you and I'm not going to let anything get in the way. All right, let's stand together this morning. I don't know what your, <clears throat> what your need is this morning. It may be this morning that you just need to simply rededicate your life to Christ. Say, God, I've let things in the world distract me and get me off the prize. God, I want to right now, this morning, I want to rededicate my life to you and tell you that I want to serve you more than I've ever served you before. It may be this morning, all this that I'm talking about, being a child of God, maybe you're not a child of God this morning. Maybe this is the day that you need to give your heart and life to Jesus. Uh, for the very first time and accept Him as your personal Savior. Whatever that need is, you come during this invitation time. Father, as I pray this morning, I want to thank You for being the God that You are. (laughs) Father, You never told us that this life would be easy because it has not been. And God, there's a lot of things that cause us to be distracted and, and make us feel let down. But God, just as Your Word says, You think about us, You see us coming and going. God, You love us unconditionally. We're accepted. We're we're blessed beyond measure. God, help us recognize that and help us get on track for you this morning and for the days to come. We love you and praise you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.